Greetings, it's February 27th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and it is my pleasure to be your host on this journey as we travel through the variegated landscape of the Bible in both the Old and the New Testaments. In the book of Exodus, we've been to Mount Sinai with Moses and learned of the Old Testament laws, and in the book of Leviticus, we have been learning the various commands for God's people, and particularly for the service of the priesthood as they minister to the Lord and to the people in the tabernacle in the wilderness. We are in Leviticus chapter 20 today, beginning with verse 22, and we will be reading through to chapter 22 to verse 16. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you, For they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, You shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Chapter 21 Holiness and the Priests And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, No one shall make himself unclean for the dead among his people, except for his closest relatives, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister, who is near to him because she has no husband. For her he may make himself unclean. He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people, and so profane himself. They shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their body. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the Lord's food offerings, the bread of their God. Therefore they shall be holy. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled, neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father. She shall be burned with fire. The priest who is chief among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil is poured, and who has been consecrated to wear the garments, shall not let the hair of his head hang loose nor tear his clothes. He shall not go in to any dead bodies, nor make himself unclean, even for his father or for his mother. He shall not go out of the sanctuary, lest he profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow, or a divorced woman, or a woman who has been defiled, or a prostitute, these he shall not marry but he shall take as his wife a virgin of his own people, that he may not profane his offspring among his people, 
for I am the Lord who sanctifies him. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near, a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease, or scabs, or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has a blemish, shall come near to offer the Lord's food offerings, since he has a blemish. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy things, but he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar, because he has a blemish, that he may not profane my sanctuaries for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons and to all the people of Israel. Chapter 22 And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any one of all your offspring throughout your generations approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. None of the offspring of Aaron, who has a leprous disease or a discharge, may eat of the holy things until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean, through contact with the dead, or a man who has had an emission of semen, and whoever touches a swarming thing by which he may be made unclean, or a person from whom he may take uncleanness, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who touches such a thing shall be unclean until the evening, and shall not eat of the holy things unless he has bathed his body in water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterward he may eat of the holy things, because they are his food." He shall not eat what dies of itself or is torn by beasts, and so make himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my charge, lest they bear sin for it and die thereby when they profane it. I am the Lord who sanctifies them. A lay person shall not eat of a holy thing. No foreign guest of the priest or hired worker shall eat of a holy thing. But if a priest buys a slave as his property for money, the slave may eat of it, and anyone born in his house may eat of his food. If a priest's daughter marries a layman, she shall not eat of the contribution of the holy things. But if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced, and has no child, and returns to her father's house, as in her youth, she may eat of her father's food, yet no layperson shall eat of it. And if anyone eats of a holy thing unintentionally, he shall add the fifth of its value to it and give the holy thing to the priest. They shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, which they contribute to the Lord, and so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt by eating their holy things, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The children of Israel's successful occupation of the promised land would depend upon their obedience to God's law. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. The law called them to be distinct from their neighbors. They were to be a holy nation, reflecting the glory of their God, who is holy. 
In what ways has the Lord made a distinction between you as a Christian and the unbelieving world? The Lord promised that the children of Israel's future inheritance would be a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk is a picture of nourishment, and honey is a picture of sweetness. Milk flows from the udders of cows and goats, and honey from figs. The land God promised them would be good, rich, fertile land that would so abundantly provide for them that it would be said that blessings would be flowing among them. Wizards, mediums, witches, and warlocks are condemned in verse 27. We are never to compromise our allegiance to God. There is no such thing as a Christian wizard or a Christian witch. The priests were held to higher standards in matters of mourning the dead, marriage, and family. This parallels the New Testament teaching that holds elders and deacons to a higher standard. In James chapter 3, verse 1, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. The Old Testament priests were not to touch a dead body. When Jesus came, he raised dead bodies. The Old Testament priest was to take every precaution to avoid contact with those who were defiled. Jesus would touch the defiled and make them whole. As Christians, we are a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 9, Therefore, we are called to be distinct from the world around us. We offer holy, acceptable offerings. In Romans 12, verse 1, The Old Testament priest was distinguished with a unique anointing oil and priestly garments. As Christians, we have a special anointing, the Holy Spirit, and we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ and the garments of His praiseworthiness. In Leviticus chapter 21, verses 16 to 24, we read that those with bodily defects were not to offer sacrifices. Was God being unfairly discriminating when He said that handicapped people were disqualified from offering sacrifices? We must remember that the offerings and the offerer in the tabernacle were representatives of the perfect offering and the perfect high priest to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as God demanded that no defect or blemish be found in the animal offering, the priests were also to be without noticeable defect in order to best fulfill the typology of what was required. Although the handicapped among the Levites could not serve as offerers, they were not treated with disrespect or abandoned. They were fully supported with full protection and food from the sacrifices. They still performed essential services in the tabernacle. Regarding marriage, the high priest had to marry a virgin. He could not marry a widow, a divorcee, or a harlot. Why? Because he was a type of Christ. The high priest could only marry a virgin because the church is to be presented to Christ as a chaste virgin. In 2 Corinthians 11.2 And now our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 1-29. through 29. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, 
one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. And when they came to the disciples, he saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute." And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Jesus had twelve disciples, but there were three who had greater access to him. We might consider them the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They were among the first called, in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, and we find them privilege with unique opportunities to witness important events that the remaining nine missed. Peter, James, and John would have leadership responsibilities after Jesus' ascension and would author important parts of the New Testament. It is likely that with this knowledge they had greater depth in their training. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mountaintop with him, they were treated with a special preview of the glory that Jesus will have in his second coming. His face and clothing were radiant beyond anything of human description. 
They also had a privileged viewing of Moses and Elijah conversing with Jesus. We learn from Luke's account that they were discussing how his appointed sacrifice at Calvary would fulfill what had been spoken of in the law, represented by Moses, and the prophets, represented by Elijah. How the ministry of Christ superseded the ministry of the law and the prophets was underscored by the cloud that overshadowed them and the voice coming out from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, listen to him, in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Jesus was clearly not a reincarnation of Moses or Elijah. He is the one that both the law and the prophets spoke of. He surpasses them in authority and in power. This incident is followed by Jesus healing the boy with the unclean spirit. The disciples were not able to exorcise a boy who was thrown into convulsions and made mute by demons. Jesus implies that their faith was not rightly placed in God with whom all things are possible. The boy's father asks Jesus to help him, if he can do anything. Jesus replies, All things are possible for one who believes. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus commands the mute and deaf spirit to come out of him and never enter him again. He later told the disciples, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In verse 29, Shouldn't that encourage us all to maintain a vital prayer life with God? so that we may never forget that all things are possible with Him? Now for today's reading in the book of Psalms, Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 3 is a continual prayer request, isn't it? Send forth your light and your truth. We can see how Psalm 43 is paired with Psalm 42, for both of them involve counseling one's soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? It is a good thing to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and trust that the Holy Spirit will take ascendancy over our soul with the ministry of divine truth. And now a reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Two errors are given here, the first being the lying lips, and the second being slander. Both are evil, but one keeps hatred to himself, but the slanderer publishes their lies. In the New Testament book of James, chapter 3, we are reminded how important it is to control the tongue. Would you join me in prayer? Father, our heart cry is that you send forth your light and your truth. As your spirit-quickened word enlightens our understanding, give us the grace to act accordingly, that our lives would be fruitful and pleasing to you. Thank you for setting us apart in Christ, clothing us in his righteousness, and anointing us with your Holy Spirit, that as believer priests we would be to the praise of your glory. 
In Jesus' name, our Savior and our God. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. And if you find that these times together are beneficial, we'd love to hear from you. And also, we recommend that you subscribe to this podcast or like it or even write us at podcast at newlife.org so we can stay in touch. God bless you and may you have a blessed day. Shalom. Shalom.